Hello and welcome to the Gossip Stone podcast where we cover the Ocarina of Time randomizer. We focus primarily on the racing and competitive scene as well as various other related topics for the community as a whole. My name is Emo Soto and I'm your host here on the podcast and welcoming one of our continuing guests here is uh, I'd like to introduce here Chuckles501. I think I'm stuck to the chair at this point. I've even killed off Jimbo <laughs> now. Um, it's, it's just us today. We're going to be chatting some nonsense too. So I hope you all enjoy. Yeah, I think you just absorbed Jimbo. Like, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Me and Jimbo you say, one. Just say, so, uh, Jimbo 501. It kind of works out. I mean, I mostly wanted him on for the last few episodes because he's a race man. So just getting that perspective is uh, pretty important. Uh, going into like uh, S6 and stuff. So, uh, but beyond that, today we're going to be talking about the main tournaments for season six. Uh, kind of what after happened after the calls, uh, a little bit of aftermath. Uh, last episode was a while ago. Uh, don't remember exactly when, but it was definitely last year, right? Yeah, it must be before December, potentially. So it's been a while since we uh, sat down and talk some crap about Uta. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we talked about that. So, of course, the main tournament, Season 6, and how that's going so far. A little bit of an update. Fortunately, we can't really cover every match or even a majority of matches. We just don't have the, uh, the volunteers for that. So uh, if you would like to uh, get involved with the podcast, though, we would, of course, appreciate it. You can just uh, DM any of us, really. Uh, myself, even Chuckles, um, Wenny, Ronan, editor and uh, scriptwriter. And uh, yeah, um, it, we'd love to have uh, additional help just so we can get more content out there. But other than that, uh, we'll be also covering today the Challenge Cup and how that's been going. It's mostly done for the group stages, too. Uh, so it'll be a little bit exciting talking about a potential bracket there. And um, after that, we'll be talking about Random Settings League. Uh, to- to- we're finally in top eight bracket after the the Swiss rounds. So uh, just taking a look at that. We're already in actually semis now uh, for scheduling. So a uh, bit of drama there as well. And uh, of course, uh, be mentioning something else uh, near the end of the podcast. Make sure you keep your ears open for that. It's a little bit of a crazy thing, but... Anyway, let's jump right into uh, how, how did Qualls go for you? Yeah, Qualls were already interested in speaking to people about, like, it, it does feel like a lifetime ago that Qualls were happening. Like, it was before Christmas and, and everything. And, like, for, for me, the Qualls went particularly well. But speaking to everybody else, it just seems like a lot of people got caught out on a few. It seems like a lot of seeds had one item that people were looking for. And quite often it was just in deep fire, <laughs> like in some really rubbish locations and things like that. So yeah, like for, for me, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time, especially in one seed where I decided to not go to GTG and go to fire for an item and got my best score from that. So that was an absolute massive Papega move, move for me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like the the qual seemed to it just seemed to go really well, didn't it? Like everything seemed to go really smoothly. Race time didn't break. There wasn't any really um, many kind of massive like reveals and kind of um, removals or anything like that. So it was really really nice qualification season. 
Yeah, not to talk too much about it, but uh, of course, not very many cheaters, at least exposed at this point in the tournament, which has been the least number <laughs> for any main tournament season, even, even for qualifiers. So uh, hats off to the community for not cheating. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> or they're but, just getting better at cheating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's there's an, always an argument for that. And it's hard as organizers to really kind of enforce that sometimes. But um of course, everything behind the scenes is also getting better at the same time, at the same pace. So um, it's it's a bit of cat and mouse a little bit. But um, beyond that, though, yeah, you got 62nd seed after a couple of dropouts, right, from the main tournament. So. Yeah, yeah, so I hit 64 um, in the, the, the rankings, then came up to the 62nd seed, which... I, you know, came out. Like, I was on the pod here last time, and I was saying, "Look, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna make it. I'm just gonna be happy with a challenge cup." And then somehow I was able to papega my way into slipping into like, <laughs> you know, you know, when like you go to a gym for the first time for people who have been to a gym, and everyone's like really bulky. When you get invited to the like the S6 channels and stuff, and like <laughs> everyone's really bulky, and I'm just this skinny little rut of a guy walking in it's like oh my god look at these good people look at these famous it's people like a hundred push-ups with one finger though like that's <laughs> <Yeah>. somehow <laughs> yeah so, so it was for me it was it was it was pretty fun yeah it's good to hear i mean a lot, from what i recollect at least from the qualifiers a lot of them were just like classic go find long shot wherever boomerang bins any item that can just be wherever you know, because it's placed first in the, the algorithm. So, um, yeah, I was looking through like just the kind of first position times of all the quals, and like there wasn't a seed that w- the first place finisher was over three hours. Like everything was below three hours, and it felt like we had quite a few AD seeds, especially early on. It felt like there was an, uh, it, it, there was an AD seed. And then there was a couple of just like absolute jets as well. Like Qual 2 always sticks out for me because I absolutely <laughs> blundered that one. But like an hour 44 was the first finisher in that. And like the vast majority, like you have to get into what, like 21st place before you get above 210. Like that is an absolutely monstrous seed. And I think that was one that was just like everything was hinted and it was just really easy to go through. But um, it looks like. Qual 18 was really the only one that was like even close to three hours, but it was still sub three for the first and second, uh, Schultzer and Wooden Barrel. So, (laughs) and that was, that was definitely like AD really bad. Uh, that one sticks out to me particularly. Yeah. You definitely uh, like look at the numbers of like the amount of people that entered each qual and it was actually really consistent. And I, I can't remember what qualification it was, but it was actually, kind of into the first third that the biggest qual was like um the third na weekly or something like that was the biggest qual and yep. then it just like dropped like off a knife edge around about like qual 16 or something like that like the last three quals had barely anybody in there and qual 19 which was for me it was at 3 a.m Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was like the last goal was some like dastardly West Coast b- bonanza. And I was it was like, late for everybody, basically. <laughs> it was not a good time for literally anybody except maybe two people. But hey, at least we had it, right? Yeah. And not, the- 19 full qualifiers for the main season. That's just a phenomenal achievement. So, of course, you're going to have smaller ones uh, every now and mm-hmm. then. Um, and I think it was fine, but 
Uh, that qual only had 37 finishes, that qual 19. <laughs> uh, it's like half forfeit rate or something. Yeah. It looks like we had 259 people overall in these qualifiers in the season. So it's been pretty strong. Um, of course, we say this pretty much every other episode, if not every episode, but the skill gap is getting smaller and smaller as we go on with uh, OOC randomizer. It's just it's every year it just keeps getting smaller and uh, it's great to see because you end up with this like top 64 now that's mm, like half of them are like real monsters right and then the other half are just kind of mm, you've seen them in challenge cup before you're usually pretty good sometimes you've seen them like in the past like in s5 uh, like i got a spreadsheet here where it's like yeah about half of the runners were both in s5 and s6 brackets but um, S5 only, S6 only. There's like a handful of like maybe 16, 20 or so runners each uh, for each season that haven't really uh, seen them before. So it's yeah. it's awesome to see that uh, that improvement, uh, the kind of spread success, right? You don't have like an ATZ, you don't have a Marco. Even Marco's not Marco anymore. Um, in terms of like just overall like winning as player, like unstoppable, just. No one's quite on that level of uh oh what was his name? Uh the scarecrow guy. Bonnaroo. Oh yeah, Bonnaroo. <laughs> <laughs> the scarecrow guy. French scarecrow guy. That's the French scarecrow. Yeah. yeah, you definitely have like a handful of runners that you kind of expect, but other than that, it's just really up in the air, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with uh random settings, like not to go too off topic, but that's gotten extremely competitive as of late. And I think the skill gap is also getting smaller there too as we go on in the, in the seasons. So it's kind of taking after a lot of the main tournament. I mean, it's only behind a one season for the main tournament, but it's taking after a lot of the same kind of meta, same kind of problems, um, same sort of a good, you know, productive things that have happened. So uh, it's cool to see that across different tournaments, different settings. Just different ways to play the game that we all like. So, um, yeah, it's top sixty-four bracket double elimination is just so ridiculous. <laughs> just it's so big. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> so many people, and that's only like half the people. We've got half the people here, half the people in Challenge Cup, and yeah, it's just it's just the the community is just huge now and just uber competitive between pretty much not seed nine downwards is just like incredibly competitive as for me i didn't uh i did worse i think than a few of the years that i've played uh, last year i think i did overall better because i didn't get a hand in, a disastrous hand injury again from falling on the ground um so shout outs to me like not leaving the house in december <laughs> i just <laughs> i just you know pad your car with a bunch of pillows like just Take it one step at a time on the sidewalk. Uh, you can't even blame uh, ice like where you are because you're in the desert. <laughs> nope, nope, just me. I just fell because of me. <laughs> just <laughs> incompetence, I guess. But uh, but I fell a little bit short from the top 64. But uh, 113, good enough for Challenge Cup. And uh, as we'll mention later, I made it out of groups. So. The uh, actual cutoff for top 64 looked to be about 3557, 3,557 points. So a little bit under the 3,600 like uh, 
theorized cap that a lot of people, uh, including me, kind of thought there was going to be at least for top 64, which is kind of crazy. It's like at least 900 points for each run. And so far, that I mean, I, or I guess it <laughs> not so far. It did turn out to be the case. So um, interesting how uh, so many people kind of predicted that as well, too. So yeah, only 4,000 to 3,600. Anything outside of that for total points, you're just not in. <laughs> but you compare that to to last year, and the cutoff last year was three three eight five, and that that has gone up by what two hundred odd points that the cutoff has gone to, just shows how remarkably narrow the competitiveness is in this community. Just just the quality, the gap isn't just getting narrow; it's just it's going up and up. Like it's just. It's the the kind of that mid tier player is just getting better and better, and you're right. You you need a nine hundreds in every single race, pretty much now, to to get into the the top sixty four. And that's kind of at that point you need to be twentieth in out of a hundred people seeds, kind of thing. Like it's it's really tremendous. Yeah, if we didn't go to top sixty four too, by the way, the cutoff would be thirty seven hundred. <laughs> So like <laughs> definitely, definitely minimum like 900. You'd have a lot more forfeits. So I think points calculations would be a little bit different. Um, you'd see Challenge Cup would be way different if that were the case. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, pretty brutal. I mean, I think this trend is going to continue into next season. I wouldn't be surprised if you have to get 950 at that point to be in top 64 <laughs> like it's yeah. it's getting crazy out there and um i think there'd have to be a really big change in terms of settings or a rule set for that to really change qualification process even um i think i've been floating the idea in my head at least of just like why don't we switch the formats for challenge cup in the main season because if you want it to really feel like a World Cup, you, you got to have the groups, right? <laughs> because it's it's like very reflective, at, at least from the you know the football World Cup. But um, I don't know. It, it just what, what do you think about that? Well, you, wait, you you would have like a, a group phase, like instead of qualifiers. Um. Well, not no qualifiers would probably still have to be the same unless yeah. you do anonymous asyncs. But then it's mm -hmm. impossible to know if one cheat or not. So it's not really feasible, at least from an organizer perspective. Um. But at least for the main tournament season, like if you made the challenge cup format double elimination bracket after groups, and that was the main tournament, and then challenge cup was just double elimination. It that's it. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like it should be maybe reversed or something like that. Like that we should have. Yeah, well, it, the kind of thought process, at least for me, comes from like league. Like, there's just having league as an outlet for all, like, pretty much everybody gets rid of the the problem that we used to have of if you didn't make the top, you know, the brackets of the the main tournament, if you're not a top player, you just have like a three or four month like just barren wasteland of of time that you have to just deal with, that you can't really play anything competitive. You just kind of have to wait until the next tournament or the next side tournament to happen before you can even get reps in, like unless you're just playing by yourself or maybe you get a pickup race, but it's still going to be the main tournament setting. So like, 
I, I just don't think we had that problem anymore. Like there's, there, there's so many more avenues to play the game. So yeah, I, I just think that as like the main reasoning for it um, is interesting. But yeah, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I I did float like a, a weird idea like to some people previously about doing like a almost like how RSL does and do, do like a leaderboard based mm-hmm. off of like have a have a two month open period where any kind of standard race counts towards the leaderboard and that gives you your 128 people or whatever and then do a group phase like after that and put all those 128 people into into groups so you mm-hmm. kind of get like the get rid of the qualification i don't know if we were going to bring this up later on but i would scrap the qualification system because i think having 100 people in the race is the same people as 10 people going all in in a poker hand it's just like who's going to find the god route like who's going to get lucky because that's what it is when you've got 100 people in a race that is and you're you're taking the the average points off the those top people who are just getting really lucky because that's what it is at the end of the day sorry if you win a 100 person race you you, you got a bit lucky <laughs> like you're going to be good oh, yeah. but you got yeah, lucky at the same the time <laughs> you have to have the skills the luck and the rounding it's always been true for rando yeah, so and... like scrap that kind of part of it. Have like because like the RSL qual bit, the, the leaderboard bit is arguably for me the most exciting part of it. Seeing you climb up the leaderboard and playing races and winning and getting points is just so fascinating. That like, you can just do any race counts towards it is, is fascinating. So bring that into standard. Let's have a, a bit of a like a two month period where you need to make like eight races because that's how many quals you need to play or five races or whatever it is. And then, yeah, let's have like like you said, a World Cup of of Uta with you know the Group AA or whatever. Like, have so many groups that it's going to need to be, and yeah, one on one Uta like it should be. Yeah, it's really just the best format for it. It's what it was designed intended for, I think, and it's getting to a point where the the quals are just too big. <laughs> the like you're saying the the variance and the luck aspect i think are getting a little bit too important in terms of seeding but i mean like we said already the skill gap is getting smaller still and the seeding doesn't really matter as much and we'll get into that once we take a look at the uh, the main bracket and how that's going but so it might not even matter so much so it's I, i'm kind of getting behind the group's idea even more so because of that like it's just i mean you can use the seeding for the groups itself, kind of how Challenge Cup does, or you can make them just random, just Wild West. I mean, we've seen... <laughs> Imagine it being ra- random. That'd be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people would not be happy, but no. <laughs> um, I think it'd be great. We, we've already seen random Swiss be great in multiple tournaments. Um, we did that in the most recent um, random settings league season. We saw that with the most, and still ongoing, multi-worlds um, season. The, both Swiss faces were just completely random, except for, uh, I think, round one for RSL. Uh, that was semi-seeded. But beyond that, like we got a lot of great matches, and top eights for both tournaments were really good. Oh, and not to mention Mixed Pools tournament. It also was random uh, pairings as well. A lot, <laughs> a lot of really good matches there, too. And, of course, a really strong top eight. So... I don't know. I think that has a lot of potential uses as well. Yeah, Swiss is cool. I mean, I think it works for those kind of smaller tournaments because you just want to get it going. You don't want to have like nonsense kind of qualification phases. But if you just imagine if you had like a six person group and it just had like 
six gods of Uta in there. <laughs> it'd be it'd be, be absolutely it'd be chaos. It'd be absolutely chaos in the in the S seven discussion thread of the channel. Like people will be bringing up FAE left, right, and center, and like uh, this was all a fix and things like that. <laughs> hmm. Same time, though, the, the qual system as is does allow a lot of people to just participate in general. So you can still participate in every qualification um, race uh, for the season, no matter how you do. So it kind of goes back to that old standard uh, name accessible, which is controversial for a couple different reasons. But it, it is nice that it. OTR is so open. Uh, it's one of the larger randos, at least, that, like that. I mean, you still have Link to the Past, of course, which a, a lot of different more formats than uh, we have in OT. So mm. it's going to be interesting to see what even happens next season, going forward with this year, and then uh, maybe even next year, seeing if there's uh, any large format differences. Uh, but to get into the main tournament here, um, what do you think about the initial bracket? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting seeing kind of the the runners who who came in this season who are new to to S6, and I think a lot of these names who are new to S6 were have been on the radar for a long time. You know, they've they've been in Challenge Cup, they've been really play, doing playing doing playing really well in league and things like that. So, like people like Decker, who's been you know, he's a funny guy, but also he's a great runner. Like Rafa is also amazing. We've seen the rise of people like Mishi and Sinny and, and Tanjo for a long time. So seeing these people into the main tournament is, is really cool to see. Um, but then, you know, you've just got a ton, and you kind of alluded to this previously, the people who have been in both S6 and S5. You've got people who've been in here since S1. I mean, like, we've still got the classics of what the hell is a Marco doing absolutely amazingly well in the qualification season. And, you know, just the, the continuing rise of people like E. Cola, you know, Sponge is here again, Riley, Say Say, you know, all these fantastic runners that it's really great to see them, uh, great to see them in the, the main bracket. Yeah, I'm kind of happy I didn't make the bracket just because it is so just, just fucked up in terms of like how strong it is. And, <laughs> How many matches do you need to win if you go to loser's bracket round one? Uh, it's like 12, and then you it's get to the final 12, yeah, something like that. Uh, like if, you, if you lose that first one, you're in for a, a torrid time, let's just say that. Actually double, pretty much, uh, if you just stay yeah. in winners the whole time. So, uh, and with top 64, it's just 64 players. It's just, it's just crazy, but... Um, actually, we've seen a, a lot of upsets already this season, I would say. Um, E. Cola, you just mentioned, is out of the tournament already. Um, <laughs> Goomba's already out as well. Didn't think I'd say that in this episode, but... Um, yeah, this, we, that Wizards Bracket round one was just unbelievable for the amount of... I mean, we, we've been we've talked about this a lot in the restreams and calling things upsets, and is it really an upset when kind of that, that skill gap's narrowing? But it's like significant lower seeds beating upper seeds. like. Aronaut and Mario kind of Aronaut took the the win in, in that match. You know, Alex took a win against Sponge. Chanosoir took a win against Goomba. Cine took a win against Riley. You know, a, a lot of these you know quote unquote upsets, which you know most of them probably aren't really upsets. 
I mean, it would have been a bloody upset if I beat Exodus, but uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, I, I was ahead. I was ahead. I was ahead. That's all I'm going to say. That's I, what they all say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just imagine knowing how to hand in, you know, the um, the, the eye drops to King Zora, like to King Zora, to, to the big Goron, like, and uh, failing yeah. that. But. Yeah, like this, there've been so many great matches, and and I think the theme that I found because I've I've watched and commentated a lot of these matches, the theme I found is stone dungeons. It it just seems to be that it's not even casino. It's just finding items in stone dungeons, and whether that's a factor of foolishness not being a part of it, I I do think that it might come to play a bit for this, but. You got some of these matches where people are either doing stone dungeons that don't get rewarded for doing it, or some of these matches are just who goes into stone forest first, who goes into stone DC. Stone DC has just been a play that you know most people would do, but if you don't do it, it seems like you're getting punished quite a lot for it. And I've got it. My theory is that the lack of foolishes is. A lot of people thought, oh, it's just going to, like, not, not having foolishes will just reduce the amount of time overall. But what I'm seeing is that in, in the same way that S4 had Ganon's open and it just gave you another choice, like, people didn't like it because there was already too much choice and Ganon's is just another choice. Mm-hmm. Not having foolish hints is giving you too much choice still. So you mm. can. You know, sometimes and quite often you'll get water foolish or fire foolish, and that's like removing those kind of dreadful temples, the deepness of those temples. But without those foolishness, it's just giving you more options to go for. And there was a match, which one was it? There was a match when it was, um, it was a Kakiri sword on Pierre. Um, I can't remember which one it was now. Oh, it was Aesuna versus Brax in Winner Bracket One. And there were, the Kikiri Sword was on Pierre after an early Volve kill. Like, I, I, I think this is just really upping the variance, which might be why we're seeing more lower seed wins, is that S6 compared to S5 just has a greater variance in it. And I think it's to do with Foolish Hints, and it's all, I also think it's to do with the lack of KZ because it's taken away, putting in one more casino item, but also taking away what is a pretty safe bet play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is taking away a choice, though. Like you're saying, too many choices and not being able to KZ skip is eliminating a choice until you get lighter. Yeah, um, that is true. Yeah, but I think that potentially negates having needing to find the letter to go in to get the song out of ice and things like that. I think ice was just such a go-to play that is it's like a good choice has been taken away whereas now you just have bad choices (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah with the stone dungeons i mean i would say the past two main tournament seasons season four and season five even season three to some i mean it's so different season three to four that you can't really compare the two but even then it was still pretty true that stone bad like, don't go to your stone dungeons. It's bad. It's not required because yeah. it's six medallions for bridge or four or two or whatever. Um, or six for Ganon's boss key. And we've, we've pretty much seen that be consistent for years in the competitive scene. Not only just in the main tournament season, but also you know Challenge Cup, the other tournaments. That there's a really big hesitancy, hesitancy, hesitancy if I can say that, um, toward 
just going into the stone dungeon because especially in a 1v1 you don't know if your opponent's going to just not go there at all you don't know when they're going to go there exactly but it's a huge kind of time sink to put in to potentially find an item and when you go there it turns out to be really important this season i think it's a really good thing honestly um i, I think the lack of foolish hints I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think more choice is fine. Of course, uh, the variability is one thing, but it, it makes the early game just a lot better. <laughs> like it just You're not actually just going to every single hint stone and reading it. Uh, there's some that you can just skip. You can, like me, you can skip reading Pedestal. Um, that's just a thing you can do now. Yeah, um, it seems like a lot of people are just... Like, not spending it like adult start, people aren't spending that 10 seconds just to walk backwards and read in the pedestal, which I, I find a bit crazy. But yeah, people are just like not reading the ped and just like going out and doing that adult one in CAC because they know they're going to pick up a bomb bag. They'll go into DC independent if, if it's a stone or a medallion because it's just too good to miss out on, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, part of it is if you have medallion start, you're going to pretty much have five different paths most of the time. Sometimes you'll have like double like bongo, double spirit or something. Um, but large percentage of the time, I would say majority of the time, you get your five patents for your medallions. You have one medallion. There's pretty much no reason to know which ones are which. There are a couple things that kind of stop that. Um, the prelude check, it's nice to know which one is the forest medallion just so you can sequence your future plays a little bit but not needed uh, lax is one item check but it's kind of you just kind of go there when you get the two meds anyway like it i don't think uh you're really lining up for one item check a lot of the time unless it's tinted or something but um and then you know the three that go towards the uh the cac song you don't really need to know like by the time you know you can line those dungeons up as a play. Like you'll already have access to them and be able to beat them anyway. So it's, it's like, not always you, well, yeah, that, that too now, but yeah. uh, in terms of like, okay, so let's say you read the pedestal at the very beginning and it's forests and spirit and water for like the, the cack burning cack uh, dungeons. Mm-hmm. You go through it all and you're like, okay, well, if hook locks this and bombs lock hook, like, you know, all of this like calculus in your head, basically, where then you eventually come up to the idea of like, okay, well, I'll do forest easy. Uh, okay, water and what did I say, spirit? Let's uh, say you're just looking for the spirit item, mirror shields. Uh, you know, there's a, a world in which you just go find mirror shield is your last item a lot. Um, again, it's one of those items that is placed first. So um, water, you might do that last even too, just as a dungeon. You might even find your other dungeon items before you even get to those dungeons. So I don't know. I, I think it's really limited in terms of like the value of the information. Plus it takes a long time to read the information to start, like comparatively. At least in a qual setting, for sure. Like it's at least thirty seconds where you're just marking stuff down. You know, what if you're kind of slow at it too? Like that's even more time than thirty seconds, and your your patents already tell you what you need to do for the for the seed. So, um, 
I don't know. I've, I've, I've been continuing that play, so I've, I still definitely believe in that. Uh, another thing that I've done specifically that I don't really see a lot of people do, uh, just skip all the small chests. Don't open them. <laughs> it's just, just a trap. Yeah, so have you not been opening small chests then? Nope. Wow. <laughs> that is, uh, that's, that's ballsy, that is. That's impressive. I think for the quals, I was just like, nope, fuck it. I, I can't, can't do it. It's too much time. I'll just I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about the season, but I'm seeing everybody finish the seed with like nine hearts, like ten hearts. Like everybody is getting so many hearts, and I don't know whether it's just people are like opening more more small chests or like because when chest size matches contents came in properly as a torn as a kind of um, a tournament setting in SGL last season, and we were seeing people like Cola just like not opening a single chest. And I think there was like a, a meta developed of open it until you have explosives or and uh, five hearts. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of been the consistent method going forward. But I think maybe people are, are erring on the side of caution and opening more small chests than that. Because mm-hmm. not having choose is just so detrimental at times. Not always, because actually a lot of the time... You know, the bomb bag is just round the corner because it's so often an early item and there's three of them in the seed. But there are mm-hmm. just seeds that are just won and lost on on not having bomb shoes. So it's interesting that you're not opening small chests. <laughs> but I think a lot of it comes down to your chew management. Like if you know you're not good at chew management or even if you know you're good at it, like you do it too much. That Both of those are bad, I would say, um, just overall. So... If you do one of those, like if you do, if your chew management is just average or okay, then I think opening small chests is good. But if it's good, really good or really bad, then you can skip all the small chests, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I would say people definitely are signing on the, or uh, erring on the side of caution here, especially in the main bracket. You know, you don't really want to get eliminated, right? Um, I think a loser's bracket, you're going to see a lot more kind of YOLO plays. So like, yeah. we might see more of that. But you may as well. You're going to yeah, lose or win. <laughs> and if you lose, you go home. So it's you might as well at that point. But it'll be interesting to see if like that meta develops between like the remaining winner's bracket matches, like if they still do that, or mm-hmm. you know, if someone uh, wants to take that kind of as an advantage. Because I, I think that... I've been aware of that meta. <laughs> like I've yeah. covered S5 a lot. So um, kind of taking advantage of that by not opening any small chests. I think it's a, it's a pretty good play, honestly. I mean, bomb bags are usually sphere zero, sphere one. You're going to do all your bomb checks anyway. Um, we've already seen many, many races where not getting the bomb bag actively hurts you, especially if market's hunted. Um, it's just a really big risk that you, that you take. And... I don't know. I've just been uh, playing within, coloring within the lines, playing within logic. Uh, it's not so bad, especially when you have to find letter anyway. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> just takes away the finding, Yeah, I think chi- finding shoes and just going through the game out of logic. It's a lot tougher to find letter that way, for one. And uh, you can't KZ skip. So for me, I've found it to be a significantly stronger play, just trying to find a bomb bag or trying to find the letter, turning it in, you know, versus worrying after if you have enough chews as child left to go turn in the letter. What if you don't have ZL? If you get the chicken all the way up there, like it, 
it gets a little complicated, I think. Um, you have to really know what you're doing, too. <laughs> if you want to be playing so far out of logic, you have to know exactly where you are. Because um, if you don't, you can get just lost in the sauce and just uh, <laughs> just do stuff that you definitely don't have to do, your opponent definitely won't do, et cetera. So it's a, it's a tough, uh, you know, give and take, you know. I think being more extreme in your uh, your strategies usually leads to a bigger payoff. So it kind of depends on the player and your situation, of course. Everything does, but one v ones especially, uh, it's one of the bigger time saves that you can have. And um, yeah, I love that along with uh, entering stone dungeons. Um, I mean, because in one v ones you do have more time to give. You don't want to give time, of course, but. Versus a 100, 200 player qual, like you can't give up any time. Each second is like a place or whatever. Yeah. Like it's, or whatever metric you want to use. But um, yeah, and one of the ones you just have a lot more time in general. So you can see a lot more uh, interesting plays, a lot more creativity and routing. And uh, just overall, it's just more enjoyable, I think, especially for this rando. Yeah, I definitely enjoy the the 1v1 kind of dynamic. And w w one of the things that I've seen, and also Yoshi Kion commented on one of the races she commentated recently, in terms of general play style of what I've seen a lot, is that people very early on in these settings have been playing very safe. They've been playing very thorough. Like, I've seen a, like a surprising amount of Valley Lake actually coming into runners and just, like, clear and child as much as possible, which is... I think that what the hell was as a runner I, I've noticed is very keen on doing anyway. And now a lot of people are kind of taking kind of clear a lot of the game early. And then in that mid game, getting a bit more aggressive and turn up the aggression factor a little bit more and decide and not necessarily to skip checks, but just to kind of make choices that might be the turning point. And then you get to the late game and then you decide, are you going to take option one or option two or option three, depending on where you are in, in the seed? Because like we've said, there's so many options to take. Like, are you going to go deep fire or are you going to go to do the back end of GTG? Or are you going to go back to child spirit and not have any sticks to do the... Um, child checks in in spirit like i did against uh against drew um mm. <laughs> but yeah, i think that's, that's kind of <laughs> i think that's just the general kind of play it's like very safe early on doing all the sphere zero checks and then when you get deeper in the seed kind of making your choices later on which is really fun to see yeah there's a couple things that stick out to me at least for s6 too um adult starts really the really big one in, in my opinion I don't know why people still walk the CAC. That just drives me up the, the wall. Like I, I saw that in pretty much every round one match, and I just stopped watching immediately <laughs> once they, once someone did that, or both players did that. And the reason for that is, I think it's a really outdated routing concept. If we look at Kakariko in terms of its checks, a lot of those you can still do as child. And with chickens down to four instead of seven, which is cutting minutes off your child cack journey. So it becomes a lot stronger of a play to go there as child, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I'm just... surprised that I haven't seen a lot more runners go straight child from adult. And it's something that I've been think I was thinking about before. And I, I kind of agree. I think that there are it'd be 
potentially more interesting just to go straight child and do kind of child routine and then potentially do those adult uh, cat checks as child. Because you can even peek windmill and cow cage if you really wanted to. Like, you, you've pretty much done the entirety of adult cack as child at that point with doing chickens at the same time. And then you also get all the songs and then you can kind of pick up as much as you can in child and then go to adult and have like just a, a greater, longer adult rather than this, this measly adult one section. But it, you're right. It does seem like a lot of people are still doing adult one cack. And I've been speaking to quite a few people and it's it's honestly quite boring as a as a watcher of, of the game because mm. you, you can actually just cut into a, a race 30 minutes in now and both runners have probably done the same thing. And then the deviation happens. So it's interesting from that watching perspective as well. It just makes a more passive viewer experience, I think, too. It's just not great. I think it's just not remotely what I want to be doing in the game. I think if more people watch the old routing video by ATZ, I think we can probably just link that in the description for this episode because I think it's really relevant now. Um, if we go back to that and assume that Okay, no, superior routing, we're going to be doing everything that we know we're going to be doing already, right? 100% guaranteed, I'm going to be checking the song in Lalan or SFM or, you know, you know, adult CAC checks kind of fall into that. But for me, the biggest problem is that what if you have an early nocturne? You could just cut out like 30 seconds-ish of walking against your opponent. Like that's that's a, a huge time save, and and pretty relevant. But not only that, but the age restricted items, um, well not age restricted, but uh, the age specific items, it matters a lot where you find those. And yeah, the fact of the matter is, there's so few adult specific checks in the early game that I just don't really get the argument of walking there in general. Just why. Why not just go do Sphere Zero, go do your your songs, right? If you get more warp songs, it makes your adult section e that much better, even, too. Um, and then the, the other biggest thing with that, too, why I don't like the walk to CAC route, if you go child, you're getting the Temple of Time stones anyway. So you're already just negating half of the advantage of going to CAC, right? So if you just go child when your adults start, you just read the stones, okay? So you know which dungeons you don't have to do. Mm -hmm. Then you go get the top hints, and then you go to your your lawn lawn play. At that point, you can kind of do whatever you want in, ter in terms of what you have left. I mean, you have Mitos that you can do as either age, a lot of yeah. stuff in Lost Woods, but it kind of depends what songs and items and hints that you find in that like five-minute or so segment but i think it's really gonna just inform you as a player better to make that play and then you'll have a better idea of where to go and kind of logically even too like if you get four patents at a tot <clears throat> you'll have you'll know much better how long your child one is how long your adult one is and you can kind of go from there yeah, it's, it's, inter it's interesting because it seems like the only deviation at the moment is whether people go river as adult. And 
I think for me, whether I did that in my matches was dependent on what my opponents did because I always just did the opposite of them. Against Exodus, I went to River and against Drew, I didn't go to River because <laughs> I knew that was how my the, the opponents were played. But yeah, you're right. There, there's very little kind of deviation. Um, and you're right, the, the, the CAC play, I think maybe the argument is the song in CAC might be pretty powerful, but what song would you get there that's really influential for your child routine? Like, not much, really. Yeah, Lamont's still closer. Um, it's closer to a lot of different things, so you have more flexibility in your routing. If you're definitely going... I mean, half the time you go to, like, Curry Forest area anyway with your save quit out of Lon Lon. So it kind of depends on where you end up with the save quit, too. It kind of depends on how you kind of proceed further. But... Assuming you get anywhere near there in the universe, near Kakuri Forest, it's, uh, you know, it's two songs versus one. It's like 10 or 12 hint stones versus zero that you get in CAC. Like maybe one in the grotto that you, that you read, but outside of that, there's like the three in River if you make the River play, but you're still outclassed by a factor of three in terms of your early hint stones and child one. And the fact that you still need to find letter, you still need to find bomb bag, they're more likely to be sphere zero. And if they are, you're in better shape to go child anyway at that point. But, uh, but yeah, the, the specific age items and where you find them, super duper important. And the fact that there's so few unique things in Graveyard and, and CAC in the early game just kind of makes that a, a slam dunk for me to always just do child start. Because then you don't, have to, you don't really have to think about your opener that way. Uh, and you just kind of do it and yeah, it makes it for a lot more consistent performances at least for me it has so it's definitely something to consider and <sighs> i'm still going to be watching this walk the cack play until the day i die probably it's just so ingrained in player it's an easy play to make too that uh if you're always starting and taught as adult you always have the option of doing that so i think you're always going to see it if that's the case to some degree, at least. Um, so any other like matches uh, that kind of caught you off guard uh, for season six so far? If I was to have one match that I would say everybody should go and and watch, um, I, I'd say the Marco versus Rio winner brackets two match because there's some um, there's a there's a really interesting factor in this race. I won't say who the winner is, just so if you, people wanted to go and watch it. And the que the question is that if you follow the logic incorrectly but get rewarded, like is it a good place? <laughs> and this was a a massive factor. If you miss not even misread the hint, but the information that you get from the hints is wrong, <laughs> and you push that, and but you still get rewarded for it. it. Is it still kind of is it still the correct play? And this was a, a really interesting match with. Two fantastic runners like Marco versus Rio in winner brackets round two is is an absolute you know, chef's kiss kind of winner bracket match to have really early on. But it was it's such an interesting match and just the way the kind of the, the logic builds out and the routing between the two and just how that middle routing between two runners completely deviates their path. And just understanding of the logic is just it's really fantastic. So I think that's one of the big matches. Um, and I think an another one is like, like lose. We, we talked about a lot of um, 
you know, lower seed win-ins. And to have a loser's bracket round one, one match against Mr. Martin and Mr. Mario, who are co-op partners, it's M&M. <laughs> that is also such a fantastic race. Um, really brutal, really brutal. <laughs> yeah, I think Martin had, Martin played Gav in winner's bracket round one and Mario in loser's bracket round one. That might be the most brutal for, and Martin was the top seed, like the, the one of the upper seeds. He was like the 20th seed or something like that. And to play those two mm. runners is, is actually unreal. <laughs> Just really bad luck, you know. Just what are you going to do, though? I mean, any uh, players that you have an eye on? Uh, I think I still think this is what the hell is tournament to lose. Uh, we've seen really good performances out of Ryu. Uh, Juke still in its uh, floosh going to be facing Juke at some point. The new future Exodus is on fire. Uh, this yeah. whole tournament's uh, season, really. Um, just really good plays. And say say no slouch there as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I've actually I've, I commentated one of Seisei's matches, and um, they've just uh, won their match versus Sora today in, in winners bracket round three. So that dates that dates the recording of this podcast. Um, and yeah, I've just been for for Seisei, who's a runner, and I spoke to him on commentary after one of the races, and it's just like, no, I haven't really played since since S five, but he seems like that is what's made him better this time, kind of having fresh mind. Uh, and yeah. things like that. So honestly, I think they say is one of the ones that is is kind of um, big in my in my kind of um, books for predictions. I think there's there's a quarter of the draw, um, and I think at the moment it's Bro and Master Alex versus Gogeta and Kedums, and they've kind of lost Sponge and Scarlet and uh, Soli and Goomba from their side of the bracket. That that quarter of the bracket is is up for the taking. Like that is really one to look out for. Because you look at the rest of the the matches in this, and it's like Fabio Exo, Duke Floosh, you know, Gav just Sam. What the hell versus Yo Yo? And then you've got kind of this quarter where the the lower seeds are coming through, and we could see a massive um, semi final winner bracket match against. Someone like what the hells or just Sam versus you know the, a sixtieth or fiftieth seed. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah, honestly, a lot of uh, RSL players, a lot of people that have been in the side tournaments, have really found uh, their footing. I think uh, this time, this go around, and it's going to be an Exodus versus Seisei match coming up. So, yeah, it's going to be really good to watch. So make sure you don't miss that one. But I don't think it's scheduled yet at this point. But um, yeah, it's been amazing to watch so far. Uh, the tournament progress, of course, can be going over the next month or two or three, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think another thing about Seisei too is kind of say that it, taking the break kind of rejuvenated him as a player. I think that's true. And kind of getting back to that point is, is kind of the point I was trying to make with the, uh, the walk to CAC uh, route, right? Is that it's getting a little bit too meta, <laughs> I think, in terms of like, overall routing in the meta so it's just getting too self-referential like oh of course this happens because of this and i can't do this because of that like sort of thing and it's kind of like a flow chart style of routing that i don't really prefer because it just it's running on a lot of assumptions that uh may not be entirely true because there's just so many inflection points and randomizer and 
and this one specifically that uh, just the, the the variance being you know somewhat noticeably larger this season at least from you know from the outside perspective that you kind of have to just go back to the basics of just okay what's required what's very likely that I'm going to do um and just kind of go from there but I guess we'll see and uh how this kind of pans out for the main tournament uh, so let's take a look at the Challenge Cup for this season, Season 6. And, uh, yeah, groups are pretty much already done. There's been a couple of three-way ties, one pending right now, I believe. Oh, nope. Uh, looks like they played as well. So, uh, yeah, so these these groups have been actually pretty uh, interesting to watch, for sure. Um, the fact that we have three three-way ties is uh, pretty amusing, but um, I've had a pretty good time in Challenge Cup this, this go-around. Ended up 2-1, up through the brackets, lost to the, the winner, then went 3-0, was Tom Poos. I was, of course, in Group C against Menno and Balthier. Uh, managed to just slay both of them. And uh, I don't know. And I think overall, it's uh, it's been a lot of great matches to watch. Again, the variability, I think, has been a little bit high in terms of like, okay, who wins this matchup? Who wins this matchup? But uh, it's been it's been cool to watch so far. Uh, any uh, general thoughts on Challenge Cup this year? Yeah, I did a I did a bit of a I, I did the the draw on on TSG for this, so I kind of went through Ooh. all the all the groups and and afterwards I I took all the groups and I put them together and I was like, which of the groups uh, would be the most vicious groups to to be in and you know after my very scientific calculations emo who was the what which group was the most vicious to be in um it's your group no 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 come on come on (laughs) like tom poos like what is he doing in challenge cup he deserves to be in the top 64 like you're fantastic how the hell that you were a fourth seed is actually like just not like nothing to your potential that you've got. Menu yeah. is just great, and and Balthi has been absolutely destroying it in some weeklies and some pickup races. This, I think, by far, this was the toughest group. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of, it's kind of why I'm sticking my guns of like, don't open small chest, don't read pedestal, like. All these kind of extreme, at least extreme looking uh, strategies, but they're really paid in spades here. Like both Balthier and Menu, uh, when I was asking, I was like, hey, are you, what are you missing then? Like once I finish, and they're like, oh, I'm going to go <laughs> like when Ganon's, or I'm in the last dungeon. I'm just like, oh, I was just a little bit faster. Oh, that's yeah. very interesting. <laughs> like, so, yeah, it was not, a, not an easy group. Um, by any stretch and, and against tom i uh i don't know i think partially it was he was on bc i mean Balthier and meno i think are both on bc as well but um yeah he's just uh he's, he's a tough cookie yeah tom's just on another plane it's like in the mixed pools tournament he he absolutely like did really well in that as well and i think this was the first tournament since the mixed pools that he's been involved in but he just he just comes out the hat each time and is able just to pick it up and and just slay and you know i think is it, it really can have a really good run through this bracket um 
is definitely one of the names to watch. Yeah, I think, again, I think he just doesn't play very meta, and that's really <laughs> done quite well for himself this time. So it just, man, you just got to go back to the, the building blocks of, of routing and, and racing even, I think, for a lot of people. Um, not to really call out anybody, but... Um, Surprised at Zopar's performance in Challenge Cup. Uh, so for those that don't know, for Zopar and uh, the qualifying round for Season 6, uh, we made a $100 bet with each other of who's going to do better. But then he got a little bit busy with just life in general, so uh, it reduced it as $50, uh, kind of like as a mercy killing <laughs> to me. So I was like, okay, okay, you got this one, bro. Whatever. And then he gets just O2 drops and challenge go up. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> I'm just like, you're going you're gonna to beat me, take my money, and then uh, I do better anyway. So it's like, yeah, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, whatever. So I was a little surprised about that. I mean, Belmont seems untouchable so far. So I'll be really interested to see how he does and brackets as well um i think a lot of the french runners really underperformed in the groups really i don't know if that's like a community thing or if it's like just to just happen to be all friend i mean there's a lot of american runners too that didn't do very well but it seems to be the case at least like a kind of running uh pattern here at least yeah, that's actually something I, I've not actually picked up on. But yeah, you're definitely right in that some prominent French runners who, you know, were were top seeds or second seeds that you just would have assumed could have done really well actually uh, ha- haven't, which is, is really interesting. I mean, you've yeah, got Stuck, Stuck went through. Yeah, like, well, that Group A was just also just outrageous. Like Alexis Jimbo Hyper, who has just been on the grind and actually won the group. Like Kuiper went three and oh with like Jimbo and Alexis and has coffee. Like just actually unreal. And and that, that was a that was the last match of the group was Jimbo Alexis. <laughs> and that was on restream on TSG. And it was just an an electric match that I, I should have commentated on, but I wasn't feeling very well. So I didn't in the end. But um yeah, that was just crazy. Even people that like were in top sixty-four for S five, like purple rupees, you went one two this time in CC. Like it's just, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it yet, but it's de- definitely uh, very cool. And um, yeah, I guess we'll see how the brackets kind of shake out. We got three three way ties. Group P uh, has one. Uh, looks like Group G has one, and mm-hmm. Group F also has one. So we'll see if. Zoro, I think, and Skulls Link and Death King, I think, are all tied. Um, Incoherence, and uh, Cerise, and yeah. me think so, I think, are all tied. And mm-hmm. then, of course, all French runners. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, what was this last one? I think Sauce Boss was actually the winner of that group. P. Yeah, Sauce Boss won that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Not somebody who I would have put my money on, but okay. And Perez, <laughs> well, he was the one seed in that group as well. He was the top over. seed in that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I yeah. remember him doing particularly well in, in qualifiers. But yeah, I think he was close. By the time the next podcast episode comes out, it'll be at least one or two rounds, probably within brackets. So 
we'll, we'll yeah. see how it works out here. Put our uh, you, finger on the pulse there. You definitely had some groups which just were really uber competitive as well. Like you got the difficult groups that we kind of went through, but some groups here, like I think group I, Stuck, T, Lefty, Mackay was just like anybody could took that. Group J and hold on, let me get my post-it note out. Hold on, let me say this correctly because I'll get berated otherwise. <laughs> hold on. Julza, there we go. Um, Bossage, Zinedine and Nave, like really, that was, that was a group that was up for the taking. Like anybody could have won that, anybody could have come second. So yeah, you had some really competitive groups, some really difficult groups and the Challenge Cup getting to brackets, like... Because it's single elimination, I don't know. I just I, I really enjoy the the brackets for Challenge Cup and seeing these these runners, these mid tier uh, runners, like seeing if they can take it down or not. So looking forward to see that. Hey, my group was kind of like that. I fully expected to go O three in the group for the record. So you lost the first I, match, didn't you? Yeah, I was against Tom though, who I okay. thought was going to go three. It was who I thought was going to go three zero, and we had a restream, and it was all good fun. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then yeah. you just kind of have Be to one. like, yeah, just take one match at a time. Really, it's all it comes down to for one v one. So, like each round does not affect each other rounds, etc. Unless you know your opponent selection, I guess. But outside of that, like it's your performance should not be at all like really affected by any other rounds uh past or pre- present or future or past or future present i guess it would actually matter because that's how you play currently but anyway yeah. <laughs> not to get too cement st- stuck on the semantics there but um yeah should be cool and uh not to mention rsl random settings league season five uh we finally have a top eight after the it was like 14 people in the tiebreaker we didn't want to do it that way course uh, we wanted to make it six rounds but it would have gone over the holidays which we definitely didn't want with the uh main tournament kind of doing that already and just you know christmas thanksgiving etc uh and the time that people spend with families is pretty important and uh rando's not so uh we didn't really want to take away from that and force people to like play when they weren't ready or didn't have the setup for it. So we made it five rounds. And one of the worst outcomes of that, of course, is like the 14 person uh, going for one, one spot, by the way, eighth, eighth place. Sorry, async. <laughs> As I yeah, deemed it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm glad I lost to you, so I didn't have to play that. So that is the, the one silver lining. But I ended up being Pyra taking that one home. And uh, he did very well on it. Very nasty seed overall, but the uh, overall first through eighth, we got Timmy, we got Marco, two very strong runners still in the top eight here. Ryukane, we got Rafa, uh, French runner, along with Laplapur and Floosh. And Senny also making an appearance in top eight here. It's been really on a tear the last couple of months, uh, just really improving uh, just at Rando in general and has a lot of different settings um, experience and it's really showing now as of late. And of course, Pyra in eighth place, but um, and cover your ears if you don't want uh, any spoilers, but the first round of top eight already done. And uh, Timmy, best of Pyra. We got Rafa beating La Plapur. So it'll be Timmy versus Rafa coming up in the semis. And 
Marco and Sinny. Uh, well, I'll get to that a little bit. And uh, Ryu Kane and Flush, Flush took that one home. But there was a little bit of drama. Um, really close, very, very close matches between Marco Senni and Rafin Laplapur. Um, so what it comes down to here is I'll go over the, the Rafa Laplapur match first here. Um, it was a really easy three time, but they ended within eight seconds of each other over five out five and a half hours. Um, five thirty five versus five thirty five oh eight, and we had to retime it, and pretty much nothing changed except uh, I think Rafa unpaused one second too early, so he added that back onto his time. So it was only seven seconds of difference, but still besting Lapapur here. Uh, but for the Marco Sinni match that happened, I think two days ago, that was uh, extremely close of a matchup. Uh, the final times were within, I think, at least thirty seconds. So we we knew we had to retime it as organizers. Um, but the biggest thing came from Sinni uh, pausing too long for break one due to some confusion. But um, so we we had a rule on that <laughs> and it turns out it was about 20 seconds over uh, the, the first break and allowing that time to be taken off would cause Cindy to win. And if not, then Marco would win. So we kind of, <laughs> kind of had a pickle as organizers and we talked it over for about an hour and came to a conclusion that, uh, well, it's pretty much impossible to enforce breaks in any other way that we than what we did is that two players, at least for RSL in in a one v one, even in the not within the brackets, but the uh, the Swiss phase as well. This is true. You can agree to any kind of breaks that you want. You know, breaks are kind of a new new still newish thing within uh, OTR. And uh, we do allow them in RSL because, you know, you have six, eight-hour seeds sometimes. And, you know, man's got to pee. <laughs> like, I'm not peeing my pants. And uh, so we allow it. But it comes with the understanding that both players agree to something, right? So five minutes every two hours is pretty much the, like, standard that we've kind of come up with. Uh, but it can be anything. It'd be, like, 20 minutes every six hours or, or whatever you want. You know, two hours every five minutes. That's kind of the joke one. But... Um, so I think for both of these matches, they, they agreed five minutes every two hours, right? So every two hours we drop everything. We don't progress the game at all for five minutes. There's nothing. And then at the end of that, the time begins again. And because Cine, unfortunately, paused for too long, we had to keep things fair for everybody and just enforce that against them. So, uh, we gave Marco the win, uh, because, they agreed to five minutes exactly for the pre-grade breaks. So, unfortunately, we had to kind of make Senny lose that. He would have won otherwise, you know. So, it's tough as organizers to kind of make that call. But in the end, uh, Marco had a 423.33 and Senny had a 423.37, a four-second difference. So, kind of yeah, getting nitty-gritty. Some people would have called that a, a, a huge upset. I mean, I had Sydney to win that in my predictor. So, mm-hmm. um, kind of ruined my prediction there. Emo, thank you for that. But yeah, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta go with kind of what was decided beforehand, haven't you? You can't, 
that seems clear. We it was a very you know unanimous decision. I don't think anyone argued against it, but mm-hmm. um, we just kind of had had to talk about it for an hour just because we had to be exactly sure. Because if we ruled it in the other way in Sunny One, for instance, uh, at least in our opinions, um, okay. So you're telling me five minutes and like twenty seconds, give or take, is equal to five minutes now, right? <laughs> And anything under five minutes gets, you know, you get punished for, obviously. So then what happens if someone's like, okay, for five minutes, 25 seconds, I, uh, it doesn't really matter what the reason was for of why they, you know, didn't, uh, resume playing, right? Could be anything. Uh, but it definitely opens up the door to abuse a lot more than the, the outcome that we, we picked, which is, your break is five minutes. Anything over is against you. If you do under the the break, uh, that's you know that you agreed to, it also counts against you. Pretty cut and dry. Um, but you know, not everyone's going to agree with that. So I know it's going to be a little semi controversial, maybe. But it definitely feels bad for Senny. But even uh, I think both players pretty much came to the same conclusion as well that probably the most fair option to go with. Yeah, sometimes you're on the. I've definitely been on the the ref end of decisions before, and you have to take it and leave it. I think for for me, sometimes if you're taking too long for a break, you, you know, actually a lot of the times during the break, I'm not even going to the toilet. I'm actually checking my tracker, checking my entrance tracker, uh, mm-hmm. actually updating kind of what my quickest route is to places, and using that time for my advantage and note taking. You never know. If I think you've got to be right. You've got to if you if you're going to set a precedent of being like, well, you've paused for five minutes twenty. We're going to take that time off. Then you're opening the door to uh, a lot of potential abuse in the future. So very slippery slope. And as organizers, yeah, yeah. you just have you have to set a good precedent because if you don't, mm-hmm. you look weak and wishy washy, and no one likes that. So um, yeah, you know the rules are rules. So I mean, we can we can definitely take a look at it for next season as well and. It's not set in stone necessarily, but you know, we'd have to have a pretty good reason to, you know, stray away from that. So you're right though, with the whole break thing is actually I've heard a lot of people talking in standard being like, maybe we should have breaks in standard as well, because if you have C's that last three hours and quite a lot of people, you know, get to two hours Don't want in. To sit down for three hours. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, like, come no. on. Like <laughs> there's a lot of people who, you know, who yeah, we've got families and people who look after animals and people with kind mm-hmm. of responsibilities and stuff like that that they need to kind of walk away from or or just even kind of self-care and stuff like that. Like, yeah, let's maybe I think what was it? League season one or league season two, I tried to have a break every single match just because it was just nice to kind of stand up <laughs> after mm-hmm. after two hours in, in a match. So it really yeah. is. It really is. I think for a standard, it'd be like ninety minutes, even like every ninety minutes. Like can, can like I can just be as hydrated as I want to be at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not nice, like trying to like, okay, go through this really competitively, like using all my brain power, and I'm dehydrated. Like that's just yeah. not going to end well, like in any capacity. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it improved performances across the board too. Like I, I don't see any reason why we don't do it at this point. I think the the thing would be cheating. At, like, it's yeah, maybe one of the things that really brings it. And unfortunately, we have to bring it back to that, and it just opens the door to more stream sniping and, and you know 
nefarious I mean, kind of tactics. Like it's what 20, 30 minute delay or whatever. Like it's what what is five minutes going to do? Re- yeah. Like realistically, yeah. like, it doesn't even catch up to the delay at that point. So I, I don't know. There's definitely something to consider for sure, though. Um, for any organizers listening out there, and uh, any potential ones looking for uh, maybe some new tournaments uh, popping up here and there. But there's definitely going to be one on the horizon. I won't say anything about it, but uh, keep your keep your eyes open. You'll tell me later, right, Emo? Maybe. Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to mention one more thing, though, before uh, we hop off here for today. But uh, there is a new biggest rando out there, and it partially includes OOT. It's the Majora's Mask X OOT randomizer where the games are connected. It's one thing. And uh, the only thing that dies is Mask Shop. And I don't think anyone cares about that. So mm-hmm. um, you just go through there and it's, wow, it's Clock Town. Like you just exited the, uh, the building there at the beginning. So, um, you know, your medallions and stones can be on MM bosses and your MM bosses can have your medallions, your stones and, you know, your MM items might be an OT and vice versa and all, all sorts of shenanigans. It's definitely in the rough draft phase, uh, at least in my opinion, it's definitely in beta. Uh, once it gets out of beta and, you know, stops having updates every single day <laughs> to the randomizer, I think then it, along with that, with, um, you know, kind of competitive, competitive uh, upgrades that we've, pretty much taken for granted in OTR. Like, it's the base game currently, for, for the for the most part. So you don't have all the speed-ups, you don't have all the, the really nice things that we have today in OTR. So uh, it'd be an inter- interesting to kind of come back to that and revisit it once it does, though, for sure. I just yeah, to I, that one. We, I think it's always been, like, the last few years, it's kind of been like, no, because we've had, like, SM, SMZ3 kind of there for a long while. And a lot yeah. of people have been saying, oh, why can't we just add OT and MM, and MM together? Because they're just like, they're the same game, right? And it's just, I think the whole thing has been like, well, they've kind of, the randomizer has developed so separately that putting them together is just like, they're just incompatible with each other. So that's when they've been like, let's just make both randomizers from the ground up again and just, and just add them in and intertwine them in. Which is why, you know, like you said, that it's, it's beta, it's it's still, you know, so I don't know if like clunky is the word to to use because they're doing a great job uh, over there, but it just feels like when the, the fishing is still kind of original fishing and, and stuff like that, it's um there's still still a lot of work to be done to make it competitive because I've been seeing like Revan play quite a lot recently. And it's like the seeds are like five hours, six hours, <laughs> like every oh, time. Oh, not only so. that, that's for like like people that have done it a lot too, or like have played both games. But like if you haven't done, if you only play one game and aren't very familiar with the other, or even if you are, um, like I've seen 12 hour, 15 hour seeds out there, like it's not, not uncommon <laughs> to like, what if you last location multiple times in this huge randomizer? Like you're. Yeah at least doubling the time of either game's uh, seed length, which is around like three-ish hours, four-ish hours. So you're talking eight, nine hours for 
a seed. It's kind of it can't really be competitive at that point, right? You're just a a test of wills, really. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. Well, you know, once it gets down to like eh, maybe three hours, four hours, you know, for for the combo rando, I think that's when it can really uh, start to take a more serious look at it. But definitely will be interesting to see the developments on that one. Kind of the running theme for today, I guess. But um, both those games are just so big, aren't they? Like they are just big yeah. games with so many checks in them. Like, a lot of items. Yeah, a lot of items. I think that's actually an in, an interesting thing that the developer the development of OOTMR has has started to feed into de- the development of our Uta randomizer as well. Like we've already seen contributors adding things like upside down song icons into into dev. So like, before letter. we had like yeah, sideways letter and things like that. So it's already bleeding in and influencing our randomizer which is really cool to see um whether i i you know you agree with the letter being sideways or not as you know a matter for another day but it's just that what can happen to you know put things that are happening in that new developing randomizer and kind of just making new ideas for our randomizer and updating our experience of it is, is going to be really interesting so. That will do it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks again to Chuckles501 for joining me. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's always uh, great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I'm going to rock on over to twitch.tv forward slash Zelda speedruns to go and watch the remainder of my two birds, Rafa versus Doc Keeps. So that's what I'm going to do with my evening. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, thanks again to Ronan Recordings and Winnie Demon, our editor and scriptwriter, respectively. Without them, we wouldn't have a podcast. And if you would like to help us, uh, just DM any of us, you know, Winnie, Ronan, me, Chuckles. If you want to join the podcast and uh, help out with coverage, that would be a, a really big help. And we'll see you all next time on the Gossip Stone Podcast. Gossip Stone Podcast.